Hey y'all, producer Drew here. Playing it a little loosey-goosey today. This is just a quick conversation Ray and I had while we were waiting to record for an upcoming episode. We're going to talk art, museums, all the stuff you would come to expect, and just have a little bit of fun. We've got about five new episodes already in production, so keep your ears open for those. But in the meantime, hope you enjoy me and Ray just going off script. Hey y'all, producer Drew here with Ray. We're gonna do something a little different today. I love different. Um, we have no agenda, but I, uh, that being said, I think I do have an idea of what we could talk about. Mm, <laughs> are, are, are you prepared? I'm nervous and excited all at the same time. <laughs> so Ray, you've been on the show a really long time now. Do you have any idea how long you've been on the show? Uh. No. Yeah, me either. Um, <laughs> feels like forever, doesn't <laughs> feels it? Feels like forever. Yeah. Um, but you know what we've never done? What's that? Asked you any questions. Like, never. But I figured I'd just talk so much. Yeah, but like, <laughs> who are you? Like, nobody knows who you are. I'm scared. <laughs> I might not be Ray McManus. Yeah. I mean, for all they know, like, right. I could be getting a Ray McManus impersonator. Nobody sees the podcast. Like, That's true. But no, really, I mean, I, I think it'd be really interesting to learn a little bit more about you, Ray. Like, we really don't ask you a lot of questions. I mean, what got you here? Why did you start working with the museum to begin with? Oh, um, like most things in my life, um, especially early on in my life, uh, purely by accident. I mean, you know, I think the first time I came into the museum and it was definitely in the new location, I probably came to the old location once as a kid, you know, on a field trip or something. Um, I don't remember much of it. But I'm I'm pretty sure I was probably finishing up undergraduate or might have been in that sort of year between undergraduate and graduate. Um, there was a lot of other things going on. So so forgive me if uh, my memory is a little fuzzy, <clears throat> you know, um, a lot of head injuries. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I remember I was walking around on Main Street. You know, I had like just a chunk of time for whatever reason. Maybe I was waiting for something to start and I was just kind of walking around. It was a nice day. I do remember that. I remember there was absolutely nothing on Main Street. There was an army surplus store, a couple of wig shops, and then it was this Columbia Museum of Art. Um, it had this really cool fountain thing, statue. I, you know, walked in, um, and I don't even think I paid. I think I just walked in. <laughs> I don't think there was anybody that saw me. Um, and, but, but I, yeah, I've been meaning to bring that up to you. You actually owe us uh, $10 for $10. that. $10. Uh, okay. I knew y'all, y'all would catch me sooner or later. You would catch up to me. <laughs> I, you know, but, but I remember walking around um, and I only had that experience in a museum one other time. And that was at uh, the National Contemporary Art um, Museum over there on the the Washington, you know, D.C., the mall there. Um, remember going there in 10th grade and everybody else was doing the typical Smithsonian kind of stuff. And I mean, all that history and all that was good, but I kind of wanted to get away from them for other reasons. And I remember being in that space, but I didn't feel like I fit in at all in there. Like there were people that were in there that kept looking at me with an Iron Maiden t-shirt on. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing in this space? Um, and I never got that feeling at all when I was in the CMA. Um, and I was upstairs and, uh, there was like these little, I remember there was like these little flat benches. 
I just sat there and was just kind of writing. Um, and people that worked there, you know, around there was like tours and stuff happening and stuff, but no, I never felt like I, I wasn't supposed to be there. Um, and so that feeling had always sort of stuck with me about the place. Um, I think when you can go somewhere where you, you, you feel welcome, I think even more so now, um, you know, uh, that, that just, that just left to sort of this, this indelible mark, man. Um, and then it was it later in graduate school, there was a program here, um, called Frison or something like that. Um, I don't know if it was French. I just I can't, I can't say it without saying it like a weird French. It's actually accent. German. Uh, Is it German? No. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh I don't know what the hell it was. It started with an F. Um but uh, it was such a cool experience because I got to walk around like I had free range to walk around. Uh, I didn't have to pay for that one either. Um and write whatever I wanted to write about whatever art I wanted to write about. And then, you know, we got to have an event where we walked people around and we would stop at those places and we would read pieces. And I loved that experience so much. Um, the fact that, you know, the museum would even entertain events like that. Um, that was not my experience of what I thought art museums were supposed to be like, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I thought there's just a place where rich people went. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sorry, not to interject or anything, but it's it's kind of just interesting because my experience was very similar. Mm. The first time I came here, um, it was uh, for the Who Shot Rock exhibition. Um, nice. And at the time I was like way too cool to be hanging at an art museum. <laughs> right. And like. I didn't think it was really the kind of place that I would ever be interested in going, but I saw, I think it was a billboard for the Who Shot Rock exhibition. I feel like it was like a picture of Frank Zappa. And I was just like, what is this? And like, I felt like I just had to go. And funnily enough, like the coolest way to do it, my parents were in town and I was like, hey, dad, like, let's go, let's go check this out. Um, and I loved it. And I was like, this is awesome. I can't believe an art museum would have a show like this, you know? Right. And then I came back a few, uh, probably like a year later for Rothko and, you know, like popped in every once in a while, checked out in arts and drafts. Um, never really thought I'd be working here. Right. Like that, that came later, but uh, yeah, it was just really surprising to me because it wasn't what I expected or I guess what I had in my head of like what an art museum is. Cause I, I'd done something similar. I'd gone to DC, done some of the Smithsonian museums and just kind of stayed. It's kind of very quiet, very, mm -hmm. very much like, you know, know your place and stay in it. Um, and my first few experiences here were kind of the opposite of that. And it was, I don't know. It was cool to me. At the yeah. Time. Yeah. Like I felt like sooner or later, somebody was just going to come out of their office and just start talking to me. I mean, honestly, that, that was the vibe I had the entire time. And not yeah. talking to me like, we want to find out more about you. We don't trust you. <laughs> you don't belong. <laughs> but like, would like want to talk to me like, so where are you from? You know, we're so glad to have you here. You know, we noticed you didn't pay. <laughs> uh, but, well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and of course, the more I've worked in the museum and the more I've, I've gotten to know so many people that work in the museum, you know, it's, it's just, it's not fake. I mean, you know, that's and that's the thing. I think with, growing up, that would have been such a thing for me. It would have been such a turnoff. Like I would have I, I would have shut the door the moment I felt like this was this was fake. This was mm. put on, you know, unless you are, you know, this tall, you can't come into this museum unless you make this much money. You can't come into this museum. And it would have left and it, it would have probably have, have 
made me think this way about all museums, yeah. right? Because that's usually how that experience happens, especially when we're younger. Even now where, you know, my, my skepticism is, you know, has full range now, I can, you know, because now I'm an old man. So, <laughs> you know, I don't believe in anything. Um, it's just, it's real. In many ways, I'm, I'm, I'm envious of, of the people who get to work here, yeah. um, you know, because you guys just have so much fun. It's all smoke and mirrors, right? No, I'm oh, just yeah. Damn it, I yeah. knew it. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Me again. I'm kidding. And I know, Della, that you're hearing this. And I'm just, I was, <laughs> it was a joke. Uh, but no, I, we do have fun. I mean, this is one of the funniest things I get to do. It's, it's not all fun, though, Ray. We do real work around here, too. Of course. Yeah, but like, yeah. but you, you're right. I mean, you know, I'm not a heart surgeon. This isn't right. <laughs> like a lot of this isn't like life or death. And I do get the privilege of being able to be around art and creative people all day. And it's a pretty yeah. sweet thing uh, that, you know, I don't take for granted. I recognize that not everybody's day job is like that. Right. Um. So. I mean, I know you grew up around here. I mean, you've kind of lived around here your whole life. Did mm. you ever, did you think that you would be here your whole life? Did you ever like have like a moment where you thought you would go somewhere oh, else? God, no. You know, I think like any other, any other teenager growing up in South Carolina, you know, there were two things you were going to do and both involved, um, either by car or motorcycle going to California. <laughs> um, and you were either going to be a rock star or you were going to be a Hollywood star, right? One of the two, those are your only two outcomes in life. Um, and then you find out, uh, as the years go by, you're going to be neither one of those things. And you're going to be really pissed off about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, I, I had said all along, like when I turned 18, I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm moving out of my house. I'm getting out of South Carolina. I hated, hated growing up in South Carolina. I hated growing up in the country. Um, and you know, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, I didn't like the mindset of the place then. Uh, I had nothing to do with the place. I liked the place, but I didn't understand it. Uh, and, and, you know, I liked going out in the woods. I liked doing all of the things that, you know, a kid growing up in the country would do, but I hated the, you know, um, the, the stereotypes. I, I hated the pretty blatant racism and sexism that took place. Uh, hated the history, um, because it was so embarrassing and, and gut wrenching. And as I started to read more and especially as I started writing, um, and of course reading and writing poetry and reading Southern poets, um, and reading people like James Dickey, I started to kind of get it that, you know, these, these places growing up, I might not have thought much how it would mean to me, but as I've gotten older, I realized how much you know, growing up on a dirt road meant to me. Um, mm. and you know, so no, I, I wanted to leave. Um, but then life kind of happened, moved out, went to school. Um, then it became, well, you know, I'm going to stick out the college thing for a little while. A couple of times thought, you know, I don't want to do this. I'll go back to work, cut trees, work in a grocery store, anything to make money. You know, and I probably had a couple of times where I had, you know, I had a friend of mine. He was he uh, was a roommate of mine for for about a year. And I remember one day we had a one of the rooms in the apartment was kind of like our 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 study. And so my desk is on one wall, and his desk is on the other. Our backs were to each other. And I I don't know, I was working on a paper or studying for an exam that I did not want to take or want to write. And I was like, man, you know, I could just drop out now and just go right on back to work and make actually good money. Yeah. And, and there was this little bit of silence. And then Tim goes, that is the 
stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, you know? <laughs> and and like that kind of stuck with me because I didn't expect my friend to say that. I expected my friend to go, yeah, dude, this, you know, why, why do this? You know, go, yeah, go work, you know, make money, live, have fun. Cause that's growing up. That's what those folks would have said. Right. Um, but Tim, Tim wasn't where I grew up. So yeah, it, and then, you know, you start having a family. Um, and so it's like, all right, I'm kind of rooted here. This is the place I was born. This is a place I know. But bigger than that, Drew, I, I, I felt like too that, you know, there was always things happening other places. Nothing happened here. Hmm. Um, and then I thought maybe, maybe I could be an agent for that. Maybe if, if nothing's happening here because everybody gets up and leaves, maybe if I stay, I can make things happen here. And it turned out that things were happening here. I just wasn't paying any damn attention. So, so then, then that's, that's when, you know, I've, I've never had a regret, um, about living in South Carolina. There are times when I wished I didn't, um, because it's hot as hell or, you know, I don't understand why this road still isn't fixed or, or, um, why <laughs> there's some weird things that happen occasionally, um, down the road up on the hill. Uh, but, yeah. um, but you know, it's still, it, it's a place that, um, I've grown to love and hate equally and proud to call it mine, you know? More from Ray and I after this. Hey y'all, you know who it is just thought you might like to know there's more coming soon you know more what you keep acting like you don't know what i mean come on i'm talking about more exhibitions more classes more programs more concerts more tours more art more podcasts there's always more at the cma see more and members get even more than that. More mission, more parties, more benefits than I can name in this ad. In fact, it might be easier if you just go see for yourself. Because if I have to list how much more there is, we'll be here all day. You can see more for yourself on our website, www.columbiamuseum.org. And now, for more of the show. Ray, I do have one other question, um, okay. and this is like the most basic question ever, but I've just never asked you before. Do you have like an affinity for like certain types of like studio art? And please don't give me that every art is great. You know, I used to give that answer and <laughs> someone said to me one time, they said, take a stance. And I agree. Like, you got to take a stance. So like, yeah. what actually appeals to you? Like when you're looking at art, like what draws you in? Sure, sure. I think um, I'm, I'm definitely drawn into um, more contemporary um, mm -hmm. design, you know, whether it's painting, whether it's furniture, whether it's, you know, fashion, any of that. I'm, I'm, I mean, part of it appeals to me, I think, because I love I love the aesthetic of it. Um, and especially when you start weaving in pop references and things like that to it. But I also like the fact that for me, when I look at contemporary art, I, I like to try to trace through a lineage to see what, what is it responding to? 
even though what I'm looking at is, is more recent, it's going to eventually cause me to think back to, you know, earlier. If I looked at it the other way around, I'm, I, I get kind of bored. Right? I mean, I can only see so many portraits. You know, I, mean, I don't know what to look for in that other than, man, they look weird. Um, you know, they, um, but, um, but I do, I guess some of the, some of the earlier like landscape, you know, the pastoral kind of stuff, I, I do like those things because they do sort of trigger, you know, responses and synapses in my mind and, and stuff. But, but the contemporary stuff seems to speak more to me. Um, and like, I feel like there's, there's a message behind it. Um, and, as a poet, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much into invested in that. You know, others can tell stories, um, but these can make statements. And from those statements, we can build stories. But I'm definitely drawn into the contemporary stuff. Um, and I'm also drawn into um, work that is being done by, by people that are marginalized or outside of history. You know, where you're seeing voices coming in um, and, and into that space. That would not normally be in that space if you look back, you know, from a historical perspective. That just kind of just draws me in. I know I I can't explain it. You know, it's kind of like when you hear a song and you're like, man, that song is good. Don't know what because I'm not a musician. Now you probably you probably have a different. Never mind. That's probably not a good one. Um, how about um food? Like you, you know, like you you eat something like man, this tastes really good. I like it. I could eat this for the rest of my life. Um, you know, it's bad for you or you don't even know what it is. It just tastes good. <laughs> I should have known not to use music to a musician, but for, I'm not a musician. So if, if I hear something, I can't say, oh, yeah, what he does with. I'm not a good musician. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, you, you, you know, you know, music, you can music, <laughs> you can play instrument. Right. I mean. Kind of, sort of. Um, I don't know what for debate on that one. I don't don't know what a A, is there an A chord? Is that that such a thing? There is a chord. (laughs) Are there different? There are different names for chords, right? Yeah, there's D chord. There's A chord. Okay, I don't know the difference. C chord. So C chord. (laughs) So I don't know the difference of any of that. So I can't say it's the C chord of that song. No, it's more like. I don't know, man. I'm just moving to that riff. It just makes me, it, it, it triggers something in me, makes me think of all these different things. So. Well, I mean, I think honestly, like you don't have to always have like this like intellectual understanding of why you like something. That's right? good. You know, I, I wouldn't like anything. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like sometimes, sometimes you just like what you like. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't think you always have to justify why you like something. I mean, I know that we run a podcast where we literally go justify why you like something, but in like your daily life, you don't really have to do that. Right. Like, I mean, there's tons of stuff that I love, but I couldn't really tell you why. And like, I know that most other people don't, you know, so, but I'm, I'm, but I'm obsessed with it. Mm. I mean, I, I I think that's that, you know, it's a me problem, Um, you know, but I mean, I am obsessed with that because I think that's one of the things that drives me, um, you know, as a poet is like, you know, I I, want to know why, Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I can see it and I can experience it, but I want to know why do I feel like it's talking to me? Why, why do I feel like I need to listen? And then, you know, or why am I doing any of this? You know what I mean? You know, I think these sometimes are existential questions, right? But, <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, I do. I, I want to know why, because I, I guess I'll go back to what we were saying earlier about the museum. You know, I, I, one of the things that I, I love about here is that it is real. Um, 
And I feel like if I'm not able to articulate why I have this connection, I'm not doing any justice to what is real here. Um, so it's just a me, it's a me thing, but, but yeah, you're right, Drew. I mean, I totally get the point. Like I, I love being, you know, well, I still talk about this to this day about Angel, that piece that we had here. Right. And like it just, it freaked me out, but I could never really pinpoint why it freaked me out. And, but that's why I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, I'm so glad we got to do this for a minute. We never get to do this. This is like, we actually got to have a real conversation. I didn't have to script anything. Like, yeah. This was nice. Um, so we should probably get out of here because we have a real interview that is not me coming up here in a minute. Yes. Um, and also, I want to show you where the uh, admissions desk is so you know how to check in next time so you quit uh, yeah, stealing free admission. I'll, 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 drop a, I'll drop a 10 spot. Yeah, I mean, you know, just because you got a badge now doesn't mean you can just come in for free whenever you want, okay? For the record. I have renewed my membership four years now in a row. And you should too. Absolutely. You can do so at www.columbiamuseum.org. Thanks as always for listening and we'll see you next time on the Binder Podcast Radio Hour. (laughs) Thanks, Drew. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all. Ray McManus is a lot of things to a lot of people. A writer, a teacher, a father, a husband, to the state of South Carolina, he's the newest recipient of the Governor's Award for the Arts. To the museum, he's a writer in residence. And to me, well, I'm lucky to call him my friend. You know, another thing about Ray that you probably already know is that he's a poet. To end today's episode, I think I'm going to share a piece of poetry that he recorded with me. It's one of the first things that we ever worked on together. It's inspired by Gray Conception Number no. 2 by Jerry Akimoto, which you can see upstairs in the CMA Collection Galleries. Hope you all enjoy Ray's poem, Empty Church. Empty Church. We were marked and didn't even know it. We lived by avoiding eye contact, nights like this one, when the autumn air falls on the skin just long enough for a man to feel needed, to chop and drag and forget the short lengths of days yet to pass. We passed by not knowing the cost, a price still not paid in full, like earlier today when our daughter found lizards sunning through the slats of the pergola. She named them, made them homes. She doesn't watch the news or know the diction we've spilt on the counter the corners we've cut in the cleanup, the manufactured grace it takes to teeter between life and death because of a simple choice we make to hold back breath or blow. What I would give to unknow, to unthink, to not speak of a tomorrow or a next week, I just know we can't have reptiles running around in the house. Tonight, against the first frost of the year, The fire we built will go out simply because we didn't tend to it. It has nothing to do with a war on impending darkness. We'll sleep in our bed because our daughter is safe between us and the cold. And by morning, all the lizards will be dead. You've been listening to Binder, a production of the Columbia Museum of Art. Today's episode, you could argue there was no host, but it did have me and Ray McManus. Production and editing is also by me, with special assistance from Joel Ryan Cook. 
You can learn more about Binder, CMA exhibitions, and programs by visiting our website, www.columbiamuseum.org. Um, cool. Do you want to, uh, let's just take a, let's take a stab at it. All right. You, you know what you're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> <laughs>